Trees, Lift Health for All is a podcast from the Center for Health Equity Transformation, gathering voices in research and communities around Chicago. Conversations and interviews will discuss the importance of achieving health equity, highlighting health disparities, and exploring innovative ways to improve health for all. Thank you for joining us on Skinny Trees, Lift Health for All. We, like many of our fellow Chicagoans, are staying home and practicing social distancing to flatten the curve. We are here to present a mini-series, COVID-19 in our Chicago communities. Each mini-episode will focus on a different community in Chicago to find out how they are coping with these difficult times. This episode features our co-host, Ivy Long, interviewing Grace Chan, a longtime community activist and executive director of the Coalition for Better Chinese American Community. Welcome, Grace, and welcome, Ivy. Um, how, how are you two doing? Doing well, thank you very much. Thank you for being on the line with us, Grace. So I'm just gonna start right off asking, who do you see as the most vulnerable in your community? Uh, the Coalition for Better Chinese American Community works primarily in uh, Chinatown and surrounding areas. So that includes Chinatown, Bridgeport, McKinley Park, Pilsen, South Loop, as well as uh, parts of Douglas and Oakland. And particularly in the, the heart of Chinatown, the most vulnerable community would be the seniors. It is a neighborhood with a high uh, percentage of individuals aged 65 and older. Uh, some of our older residents in senior housing buildings are even older than that. Uh, we were just talking to some a, a particular senior housing building, and they were saying that their average age of their residence is 80, and that's about 200 people in that senior housing building. So some of these uh, seniors that live in senior housing buildings are low income and are limited English ability. Some have no English at all and they rely a lot on the social service agencies in the community to provide them with community, including um, community centers, services for them, programs for them to go to. And all of this is provided remotely now. The community service centers have all closed and have turned their services to remote. And um, so a lot of the seniors are pretty isolated and we're concerned about them. And uh, that would be the most vulnerable community in our neighborhood. Oh, thank you. Wow. And so I would assume most of these senior buildings are limiting visitors. So can you speak on how are these seniors doing and what they are doing, like what their family are doing and to, to try to help them cope with the stay-at-home order and try to keep them safe while still keeping in touch with them? Since I assume a lot of the seniors, they are not able to get on Zoom calls or video calls like a lot of other people do. Yeah, so some of the social service agencies are making daily phone calls, check-ins with the seniors that they serve. Um, Chinese American Service League, for example, has an adult day center that is now closed, but the adult day center staff calls the seniors twice a day, once in the morning, once in the afternoon, as well as delivers a meal to them midday that includes um, enough food for three meals for that day. And so that keeps some of the community, at least there's some wellness check. But we do know that there's a lot of concern because uh, at least two of the senior housing buildings have seen some positive cases. And so the seniors are worried and 
the staff that are in those buildings include social workers, and they are checking in with the seniors regularly. That's really nice to have all these services in place. Do you see any other needs right now the community have? Yeah. So in addition to the seniors, and in some ways the seniors are being checked on because they're if they are living in a senior housing building, there's staff that will be able to call them to check in on them if they belong to a program like Chinese American Service League or Sinlin Center or the Chinese Community Center. Then they do have staff calling in and checking in on them. Um, I, we see a lot of need in the working among the working adults. The Chinatown community consists of a lot of restaurant workers that were already suffering in the early months before the stay-at-home order with reduced business in Chinatown, and so right after the stay-at-home order was in place, we see a lot of calls into our COVID hotline, CBCAC. The Coalition for Better Chinese American Community runs a COVID nineteen hotline, and the majority of the calls the past three weeks have been folks wanting assistance to apply for unemployment insurance, or folks that have already applied needing assistance troubleshooting because something wasn't quite right with their claims. And with folks、um, who don't know English, it is quite daunting to have to go on a website and enter their information in English. And read all these instructions, and then wait for communications to come back. That's also in English. That's really helpful, and I'm sure it is super difficult for English speaker to navigate through that type of system too.、Um, what can our listeners do to help your community while we're under the stay-at-home order? There is a mutual aid system that residents in Bridgeport have started that、uh, takes in requests from residents for everything from cash, emergency assistance, to picking up groceries and picking up medicine. And that hotline is up and running, and they have volunteers that are ready to do that.、Um, CBCAC, we do run a hotline, and we're. Partnering with the Bridgeport Mutual Aid System to deliver some of those in-person services, although you know, of course, no contact and in a safe way、um, to drop off and pick up medicine and groceries. And so that's one way that folks can help if they want to join、um, the mutual aid system. If they do speak Cantonese or Mandarin, CBCAC would really appreciate help、um, with volunteers helping us staff our hotline. Which is 24 hours, and also to place phone calls to do wellness checks on residents. We are also continuing to give education and assistance on the census because、um, census 2020 is still going on, even though the self-response deadline has been extended, and a lot of folks have not been paying as much attention to it. The self-response deadline was originally supposed to end July 31st. is It has already been officially extended to August 14th, and the Census Bureau is intending to extend that through the end of October. So our census hotline, as well as our census phone bankers, continue to reach out to the residents to explain to them the importance of completing the census form. As well as assisting them as、um, they need to fill out the form. Thank you, and we'll definitely include those hotlines information in our episode description and on our website once we have it published.、Um, what kind of impacts do you see this crisis leaving on our communities? I think 
The economic impact is great, as I mentioned, because Chinatown and the greater Chinatown area has so many restaurants in particular and some retail stores and those Uh, The business had already gone down in the early months, even during the month of February. I was hearing anecdotally through the Chinatown Chamber of Commerce that some of the larger restaurants that were having sales to the order of $10,000 a day before were seeing sales uh, on the order of $1,000 a day during the month of February. So we don't even know what that number is now with so many restaurants closed and what the few that are offering takeout are able to do. So the economic impact is going to be pretty large. Um, I think that also social services that have turned to remote services have to change the models and see how they can continue to serve their residents in a different way. I think even after the immediate crisis is over and folks are able to meet in person again, there probably will be some reluctance to to gather or some reluctance to go out. Um, so I think there's going to be quite a, quite a large impact. There's also the fear of discrimination and racism and scapegoating because of some of the general rhetoric about this being a Chinese virus or a virus from China and that it was Chinese people that are carrying this disease. I think that there's going to continue to be some worry about interaction with folks that may be discriminating against them. So we'll have to continue to watch out and be vigilant about resisting and resisting any racist rhetoric. Yeah, thank you for bringing up the racism and discrimination issues. Do you have any stories that you can share that is closer to home? Have you heard of any personal story recently that people are being discriminated against or um, have something happened to people that you know? Fortunately, there hasn't been anything that happened to people that I know that I have to work with directly. There is a well-publicized case in Naperville that happened about three weeks ago that there is a um, middle-aged or even a slightly older jogger of Chinese descent that was attacked physically by two women. Um, That's uh, very unfortunate to see such a backlash and such aggressive behavior. For most of the anecdotes that I've heard is for the behavior that's more subtle, like folks get stares or folks, you know, when they um, come into a store or go come into a restaurant, other people start moving away. Um, so those are some of the things that we see much more or have heard much more about. So because of COVID-19, a lot of these issues has been highlighted that racism and discrimination actually been existing around Asian Americans, particularly Chinese Americans for a long time. Do you see this as a positive outcome that the media is paying attention to this issue more now? It is certainly true that racism against Asian Americans have existed a long time. I mean, from all the way back to when the Chinese laborers first came to the U.S. to work on gold mines and and on railroads, they were um, not accepted into the communities. Sometimes when there are too many people that were working in that community, the folks start getting discriminated against or their houses get burned. You know, we've seen a lot of those um, acts of racism and aggression from way back from early on. Um, There are also all kinds of discussion about the yellow peril or that the Chinamen are unclean and so on from, you know, 150 years ago, 100 years ago. 
um, I think that a lot of these incidents definitely highlight the fact that the racist attitudes towards Asian Americans exist. Not sure if people feeling empowered or feeling that they have the license to express these attitudes in an aggressive and overt way is a good thing because it just means that there's more acceptance in general that folks feel like it's okay to discriminate. And I had mentioned this in in a live session with the American Jewish Council a couple of weeks ago. And my point was that um, it is not acceptable to be racist or discriminatory against any group. And this time it may be the Chinese Americans, next time it may be another group. So I think that we should always speak up and speak out against any type of discrimination or any type of prejudice or racism, because we need to always support each other because we don't know who's going to be next. Right. And do you have any advice to how should someone handle or respond when facing racism or discrimination then? I think that for the low-level folks making comments that the virus is from China or from Asia, um, maybe a gentle correction that first cases may be discovered in China, but now is a, a pandemic in every country and every region has seen the virus. And so the most important thing now is for everyone to work together to figure out how to treat folks that have been infected and how to contain the infection and to really uh, the whole world should work together to defeat the virus. Um, So I think that's one thing to do. We certainly don't want anyone to put themselves physically in danger when they are faced with an active act of aggression. So folks should definitely try to put themselves in a safe situation, report it to the proper authorities. There are several national hotlines and uh, websites that these incidents can be reported to. And OCA is one, Asian American Advancing Justice's national website. National Organization also has a website that collects um, this information. I think that the more that we know the number of incidents and the kinds of incidents, the more that we can act together to fight against them. And I think that's even more important for people who doesn't speak English fluently to speak up because a lot of them are too afraid or they don't know where to go to report incidents on maybe because their immigration status or that they are worried about their benefits from a lot of other misunderstanding that they are afraid to speak up. So this time is even more important for them to let other people know what's going on. Yeah, I think it's important for them to let other people know. And there are local community-based organizations that they can seek help from and, you know, go to their their trusted local organization and then tell their story and, and explain the situation so that they can get help. I'm going to go back a little bit earlier. You mentioned about this crisis is going to change how community organizations serve the communities. What do you think about, like, the community organization normally spend a lot of time doing outreach and education and try to reach different type of people within the communities already. But with this crisis, people are going to increase their reluctancy to go out and seek assistance or seek information. Do you have any idea or suggestion on what can we do from now on to increase that awareness or increase outreach without being able to work face-to-face or going to events in person? Yeah, I think that this is going to be a challenge. I think that some of these mutual aid type systems, the informal networks that have popped up, will probably continue to 
exist and continue to maybe thrive and grow beyond the immediate crisis because sometimes it's the neighbor that you already know or somebody else that you already know that will be able to provide the assistance. CBCAC and all of our partner organizations and stakeholders and friends have been holding a COVID-19 response coordination call every Thursday. We, in fact, shifted our bi-monthly meeting. We used to, about 14 organizations used to meet with our aldermen every other month. And we've retooled that meeting to be an every week meeting and keep inviting more and more stakeholders to to the meetings. The purpose is to try to help each other out organization-wise with information sharing and with sharing of needs that we see in the community and then see if some other organization can meet the need or if folks can work together. I think that um, we're still trying to work towards that. I think it's still imperfect in terms of communications and in terms of coordination and we're uh, making baby steps. But I think that working together as organizations is going to be even more important uh, coming out of this crisis is that while it is important for each organization to watch out for its own funding and its own programs and the impact of its own programs, um, sometimes you need to move beyond that and look at the bigger picture to see how you can help and collaborate and cooperate with other organizations in order to meet all the needs in the community. And is this meeting open to anyone who is interested joining, open to any organization? Yeah, organizations that are serving primarily Chinese Americans and the greater Chinatown area, we would welcome other organizations to join because, um, again, you know, this work is important and it's challenging now because uh, systems that we know about that had worked before and processes and that we've used before may not work anymore. And so definitely we invite any organization that are interested in joining to let me know, to let CBCAC know so that we can include them. Um, I think the more voices and the more different ideas we have is better. So we need to be creative and we need to be collaborative in this environment. Thank you. Do you have anything else that you would like to share and let, let us know about? Thank you for this opportunity. I think it's really important to share community voices and thank you for the opportunity. But I also want to give a shout out to all the frontline workers, whether they're frontline workers in the medical field or frontline workers in grocery stores or delivery services or um, folks that keep the streets clean or buildings clean. We are all relying on all these unsung heroes while we're all staying at home. And those of us that are privileged enough to be working from home really are thanking these folks that can't stay at home every day so that we hope that they can stay safe and stay protected. Thank you very much. It is very true that their job is very important. Keep us safe. Thank you, Grace. We couldn't have said it any better than you just did. We're grateful to all the essential workers that are on the front lines right now. Um, let's just all continue to stay home and keep saving lives. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the speakers and authors and do not necessarily reflect or represent the views and opinions of the following entities. National Institutes of Health, the National Cancer Institute, Northwestern University, Northwestern Medicine, Northwestern University Feinberg School of Medicine, 
the Robert H. Lurie Comprehensive Cancer Center, the Institute for Public Health and Medicine, the University of Illinois at Chicago, and Northeastern Illinois University. Skinny Trees is proudly produced and edited in the Center for Health Equity Transformation, led by Dr. Melissa Simon at Northwestern University. Dr. Simon is a member of the United States Preventive Services Task Force, USPSTF. This podcast does not necessarily represent the views and policies of the USPSTF. Due to the social nature of this podcast, the content used might be copyrighted by another entity or person. This podcast claims no copyright to set content.